This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Dripping in sex appeal. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. On the way, of course, uh, unfortunately, it will begin with a black cloud over it because of the uh, loss of Tony Sperano, offensive line coach for the Minnesota Vikings, dying at age 56. Yesterday, a complete shock to the organization. They had planned to have their entire organization have a picnic and a get-together, according to Tom Pelissero from NFL Network. And uh, now that's off, and everyone has to start it in a completely different emotional state than they would have. So we're going to talk more about Tony Sperano and his legacy in the NFL with Scott Baer later from uh, Oakland, NBC Sports out there at uh, 1230. We'll also talk some more football with Eric Eager. So we're going football heavy here because we have made our lists of the most interesting players that we will be watching throughout training camp. And our lists are quite different. So, Courtney, I want you to start with your, we made each 10. I want you to start with yours and we can uh, stop and discuss where necessary. Sure. So, in order from 10 to 1, I start out with Brandon Zilstra, which okay, probably right does there. need some <laughs> explanation. Right. And put on the brakes and explain who Brandon Zilstra is. Brandon Zilstra is a former CFL receiver who I believe is also a local Minnesota product. Uh, they signed him to a futures deal at the end of last year. So, clearly there was some intrigue in wanting to get that contract done, get him in the system. And for me, the reason I had him as somebody at number 10 the the buzz that we've heard around his name um and some of the really good plays that he made you know granted a lot of them were over Marcus Sherrill's but um you know with the second and you know i think a few with the third team unit but mostly with the second team offense um leads me to believe that he's going to be in contention for one of those spots uh you know 4 through 4 through 6 because if you if you take a look at the receiving core and in the way that you think it's going to pan out with the six roughly you know that they're going to keep obviously you put Diggs Thielen and Treadwell Aside, because he's going to be on the roster for all of you out there who think he's going to get cut. I thought they were going to trade him for a first-round pick and a right guard. Maybe they could trade him for a right guard. Um, No. But then there's those three other spots with... Um, you know, potentially, you know, you wonder what Kendall Wright's going to do. You wonder what Stacey Coley's going to do coming off injury. And then Zilstra fitting into that mix, I think, is a very intriguing candidate because what his, you know... We take a look at last year. Nobody had a defined role except 1A and 1B. Jarius Wright was kind of the third down receiver. I mean, that was what he was known for. But outside of that, nobody was able to grab a defined role. I think in this offense, um, there's going to be a lot more opportunities for that. So excited to see what he can bring. Um, He had a good good spring. I mean, it's a name that we heard a lot about. So he's my number 10. Um, Brandon Zilstra. Brandon Zilstra. Remember the name. Remember the name. Might be Mr. Mr. Egan. No. Mr. Mankato. They're not in Actually, Mankato. tomorrow, I should have mentioned this, tomorrow, the Mr. Mankato odds are going to come out with me and uh, Judd. Is that official? Yeah. You, are you still going to call them Mr. Mankato? Uh, yes, we're definitely. Yes. You can't call it Mr. Egan. Are you serious? Mr. Eligible Egan? Be, being, no. Mr. Mankato is, is history, more Courtney. of a state of being. I'm than sorry, guys. I don't agree with that. Mr. Well, wrong. Mr. TCO, <laughs> Mr. Performance Center. <laughs> it's got to. It's got to stay as Mr. Mankato. 
Okay, fine. Um, so, yes, I have to connect with Chris Long. He was on vacation. they got to make sure that he's got the odds, but it should be ready to roll out. Tomorrow. Do I get to throw my vote in? Uh, absolutely, awesome. of course. Yes. And uh, we'll, we'll all go on record. Last year, I did great in my first swing. I'm not going to talk about it, but I did great. <laughs> you get you don't if you get to vote. You get to make your pick, Courtney, and then you're also part of the committee that we then oh, get man. together to decide. Maybe who I do like this awarded. after all. I love being part of committees. Last year, as I, long as you don't have to do too much work. Exactly. Yeah, I picked Isaac Frickty last year. That was a terrible pick. Oh gosh, it was such a bad pick. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> Brandon Zilstra list. is your ten. Actually, we're going to do four segments only on Brandon Zilstra. Uh, all right. Not number nine for your number list. nine. And I don't know if this really goes with. I mean, Mike Hughes. I think first round pick. Spent. You know, they they had him at thirty when they could have had an offensive lineman. What he does this season is really going to show. I mean, does that come back to bite them? I think that's just you know with not getting an, an offensive lineman that can be their plug and play guard at right guard. Um, number eight, Sheldon Richardson. We just don't know a whole ton about him. We didn't really get mm-hmm. to see. I mean, you don't see that much from get, from defensive tackles in shorts and sh- t-shirts. Um, you yeah. know, in the spring, thought that uh, that was a good spot for him. I have Laquan Treadwell at seven, and I know that you disagree with my placement of him here. I don't have Treadwell on my list because and, I think I know what I have there, and, and that's fine. But I think year two was too early to call him a bust and write this whole experiment off. He now he had a perfect opportunity, and if training camp would have ended or started in, in you know when it did in June when minicamp ended, he would have had that number three job. Does he hold on to it? Because if he doesn't, then there's something seriously wrong, and um, you know there's no chance of them picking up his fifth year option. This is it, and that's why I think there's some level of intrigue there uh, because we also really don't know what he can do. He's had you know 200 yards and what like 11 catches. I not think much. What we know he can do is not a ton. That's that's where I stand. Maybe on him. it, cha- maybe it changes in this offense. Until I'm shown otherwise, I just can't really. Well, Kendall him. Wright hasn't shown much of anything, so I don't really know who the number three receiver, any other candidate except for Treadwell in that role right now. Okay, he's your seven. Seven. Um, number six, I have Holton Hill, who is an undrafted free agent, one of the top undrafted free agents, um, who kind of fell out uh, of the of the draft due to some you know off the field concerns with marijuana I believe. When you test positive for weed at the combine, you're going to have some trouble getting drafted unless you are unless a you're great Ruben Foster. Player. Right. Yeah. But, but Ruben Foster's a great player, not just, you know, this guy's good, but he's not. He wasn't ever going to be a first round but, pick. But no, but he was somebody that, you know, as the rounds went on, you kind of wondered why he I mean he he could have very easily gone anywhere from the 4th to the 7th round and you know he didn't he signed with the Vikings They've, there's been a lot of praise from Mike Zimmer about him i asked him and we talked about this in the podcast but you know is there any place else that he could see him playing because he's so big mm-hmm. and i mean he's a really physical player maybe he slides back and he's playing safety but you know right now corner looks like that's where he's going to be and with that rotation that Zimmer talked about wanting to utilize more cornerback four cornerback sub packages i think he might have a shot to make the roster so there's some intrigue there for me uh number 5 i have Dalvin Cook obvious reasons want to see what it looks what he looks like coming off the ACL injury and what he uh how his game expands uh, with the the use of the RPOs and how John DeFilippo potentially uses him more as a wide receiver and you know what those running back sets look like um, Everson Griffin, number four, reason I have that up there just in terms of where he's at in his career coming off of the knee injury. We didn't see him play much in spring, so I think there is at all in spring. He had the knee injury. It's not the plantar fasciitis, as Mike Zimmer alluded to. Uh, Want to know how serious that is, how long they potentially keep him out. 
And if they do keep him out, what that means for other guys like Deshaun Bauer um, and, you know, other guys that might be part of that rotation, even Brian Robeson, who was filling in for him. And really with Griffin, it's just, can he repeat it? Yeah, 13 sacks from last season. I mean, he... That was a peak for him. I mean, what mm-hmm. it, do we start seeing a decline, or do we see a steady somewhere around there where he's able to replicate double-digit figures this year? So, so he was number four. Number four. Anthony Barr, number three. Uh, the reason I have him there, not too much with the contract situation, um, really very little to do with that at all, but kind of because of the role that we might see him play. I mean, we saw a little bit of it in in minicamp where he's – you know, flanked outside. Can he be this four-three outside linebacker that you know, by all indications, when he was drafted, he he could show he wasn't drafted to be that. He was drafted to play where he's at right now. But you know, to be outside rushing the passer, you know, coming off the edge, what does that do for him in his contract situation down the road potentially? Assuming nothing gets done this week, um, Kirk Cousins number two without saying, and my number one as I've said all season, all off season long. Uh, They didn't draft an offensive lineman. This is the biggest glaring area for this team where Mike Mike Remmers plays is a key cog in all of this. Uh, What his role is, if he stays at right guard, where that's what Mike Zimmer was alluding to last week on a radio station. And if he doesn't, if there's a need for him to go back out to right tackle because Rashad Hill can't win that job in camp, what happens at the right guard spot. So, I mean, I think he's the key equation to everything on offense, and they're my 10 most interesting players. Okay, why don't you just run down the list because we jumped in a few times there. So number 10, Brandon Zilstra, 9, Mike Hughes, followed by Sheldon Richardson, Laquan Treadwell, Holton Hill, Dalvin Cook, Everson Griffin, Anthony Barr, Kirk Cousins, and Mike Remmers. Okay, so when we come back, I'm going to give you my list, and also we are... Getting real close here to the beginning of camp. Let's put odds on new contracts announced when veterans show up on Thursday for Anthony Barr and Stefan Diggs. Matthew Collar, Courtney Cronin, in for Mackie and Judd. People, people, I have an important announcement. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout Whoa. on 1500 ESPN. Now, back to Mackie and Judd. Hello, boys. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. So what do you think? <laughs> Pretty cool, I guess. On 1500 ESPN. Okay, so we ran through Courtney's list of the 10 most interesting players in training camp. I have my own. So let me give you those in a second, but let's first talk about Anthony Barr, Stefan Diggs. We've sure. Been going through it all offseason, how much they're worth, what the odds are that they sign long-term contracts, and then Brandon Cooks comes through with an $80 million deal. With that 20 and a half guaranteed if the price for digs already wasn't high then it's higher after that that the bar has been raised by jarvis landry and brandon cooks who are either on the same level or not quite as good as digs but they have better fantasy numbers but i think around the league the respect for digs is extremely high because they know how efficient he is also what he had to deal with with case keenum and not being the most accurate quarterback in the world, how good he is off the line of scrimmage, the contested catches, they know all that stuff. So he's worth a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Anthony Barr is really debatable because linebackers in today's game don't have the value that maybe they had before, but the top ones, like the Luke Keekleys, are really valuable and get paid. So what do you think the chances are that we have two contracts Let's let's do the different scenarios. Put a percentage, one to a hundred, okay. that we have on Thursday two long term contracts announced by the Vikings, Anthony Barr and Stephon Diggs, 
one of the two, or none of the two? What do you think percentage chance on those are? <sighs> I'm going to say zero on the two long-term contracts really? on Thursday. Okay. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's getting done. No shot, huh? All the other stuff that they're dealing with this week on top of, I didn't think that be last week, and now I definitely don't think that's that week. One of the two, I'll put it maybe 45%, and then I guess the rest would have to be 55% if I'm doing it correctly with math. And if it's one of the two, you are in great job. I'm, I'm trying. Um, it, if it's one of the two, which one is it? Oh man, um, I'd like for you know. I'm trying to think realistically, like what would happen. I mean, the the Cooks deal makes me think that certainly Diggs is not taking anywhere near a nine to eleven million dollar team friendly deal. And just to clarify, that was what I said with the guaranteed money. It was twenty and a half at signing guaranteed, fifty point five total guarantees. Diggs is going to be looking at a number like that. Um, just because, I mean, you do look at Brandon Cooks, he's a first round pick and, you know, could potentially be a franchise player. And, you know, do you, do you do, does the Vikings, do they value Stefan Diggs in that same way as a fifth round pick? You know, he hasn't played a full season because of injuries and whether that's still a concern. I'd like to think it's Diggs, but my gut tells me that, I mean, heck, his agent, as we talked, as I talked about with Royce the other day, his agent is Le'Veon Bell's agent. Mm-hmm. They're not going to settle for anything um, less than what he's, thinks he's worth, which might be 14 and a half a year in that Jarvis Landry range. So I'd say it'd probably be Barr. And I think what uh, Sammy Watkins shows us, Watkins got $30 million guaranteed, mm-hmm. is even if you are injured, even if Diggs doesn't play a full season, wide receivers are at such a premium that you're going to get paid anyway, that you're going to get life-changing money anyway, even if he got hurt. And we saw Elshon Jeffrey sign that kind of one-year Prove it deal with the Eagles, but the prove it deal was like fourteen million dollars. So even if things go wrong, you are still going to get top dollar somewhere. Uh, if you're Stephon Diggs, even if there are some concerns over your injury history, if it's the groin again, maybe that would cost him some dollars. But if he plays sixteen games and has seventy five catches, is still as efficient as he was last year, you are talking about pressing for eighty million or more. For Stephon Diggs with forty-five, fifty million dollars guaranteed if he has a big if he has a big season. I think that for him, the reward is so much worth the risk here that he probably doesn't sign and then forces the Vikings to have to franchise. There's no way that any either of them are gonna do what Daniil Hunter did and give the Vikings a discount. That was a big surprise. That I mean he's twenty three years old. I, I understand it. I mean he probably wants his money and that's you know, for him, I mean, he's still going to sign another big-time deal if he stays healthy at 28 years old. Yeah, I just thought if he had waited one more year. If he had waited till Khalil Mack got his deal. I know, yeah. Like, that's You know, I, that's the crazy part about this. Like, How much more money could he have made then? There's people or, around the league that we see that are on Twitter. Uh, you've talked with Joel Corey before, who was a former Yeah, and I talked with, with Jason Fitzgerald not long after the Hunter deal, and he thought that he could have been making much more mm-hmm. than, you know, the 14.4 on average that, you know, he's making now, which I think is just shy of what Everson Griffin is going to make. So, I mean, that's, you know, he he did them a favor by by doing the deal that way. And, you know, for whatever personal preference of wanting to get it done, that's fine. Um, there's still a franchise tag to be to be used, uh, whether a deal happens this week. I mean, I'm not going to say it's it's impossible, but I, I also think the likelihood, just given some of the financial constraints with the cap in years to come, um, might make this a little tricky to get both done at all. But you know, even you know, certainly this week. So with Anthony Barr, 
I think they want to keep him. Yeah. I think they want to sign him to a long-term deal. But with Barr, he's taking more of a risk to get out there, I think. Why? Because I wonder how the rest of the league looks at him. I wonder about comparing how the Vikings see him as what type of franchise player he can be versus other teams. Are there other teams who have watched him on tape, who have played against him in the last two years, where I think there were flashes of his excellence, but not as consistent through the first two years? And if he doesn't put up big sack numbers, if he doesn't end up with six, seven, eight sacks this year, who's buying him at $14 million a year or something like that? I don't know if anybody is. And that's why I think he's probably very receptive of of changing what his role is and, and buying into that to potentially become part of the defensive line if you want to call it that rotation, where mm-hmm. he's actually rushing the passer because his value is so much more than an outside linebacker that does not rush the passer. If he's in this Alec Ogletree and Vontez perfect market, he's you're going to hit a ceiling at some point. Uh, to me, I would want to play out what this season is because I know my number is probably not going to meet what the Vikings number is or their number is not going to meet what mine is if I sign right now. In worst case scenario, he probably just has a decent year like he did last year. Yeah, and he still makes the Pro Bowl and he still has all this stuff on his resume where he could be in that in that range of 10 to 12. And that's where you could see his argument. His argument might be to the Vikings, I, hey, I, I keep making the Pro Bowl, but I think he makes the Pro, Pro Bowl the last two years on name only. Well, especially, I mean... Sure, there were a lot of anti-Packers people who voted for him just because of what he did. And, you know, there's no fault to that whatsoever. But, yeah, I mean, he's even in down seasons in 2016, essentially, you know, that was considered a down year after how good, you know, the first few years were for him. He made the Pro Bowl. So let me give you my list. Ten most interesting players uh, on the Vikings going into training camp. And we did a podcast on this, too, where there are longer explanations and we botch Whose turn it is. We botched the math. It's like typical Matt and Courtney. We just can't get it right when it comes to numbers. The analysis was great. The numbers were not. See, this thing irritates me. We like stats. We like diving into those type of numbers. But when it comes to simple, basic math, we have a lot of problems keeping order. I think it's on the fly. It's because it's on the fly. I think just the chaos of, you know. chaos of the Purple Podcast. I mean, it just, it's not a good environment for me. You're going to HR today, actually, to discuss how we can't get a simple 10-to-1 list down. That's why we're doing it separately, not going back and forth, because we botched it so bad on the podcast. But um, All right, so here's my list. Mike Hughes, 10, though I would like to put a little asterisk on that and say everyone they didn't draft. Everyone they didn't draft is the most interesting person. Will Hernandez is the top of that list. Because he was right there, and everyone projected Will Hernandez to the Vikings. It didn't happen. They went with Mike Hughes. So not only are we watching him, we're watching everyone else. The guy they did pick on the offensive line, number nine for me, Brian O'Neill. Delvin Cook, how he comes back from the injuries, is number eight. Who wins the number three running back? Maybe it's a little down the list here, but... Mac Brown, Rock Thomas, Mike Boone, these we don't really know these guys. Okay, I feel like you're sort of cheating here because we were supposed to pick players. We weren't picking position battles. So you've kind of like altered okay, this whole thing. I don't know enough about Rock Thomas or Mike Boone. I love Rock Thomas. You just love the name. Yes. We, when we I'll don't know Rock enough Thomas about then. him because we haven't seen him play. I'll go with him. He was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. He played pretty well at Auburn, but couldn't get much playing time because they had really good running backs. So I'm going to, I'll just, sorry, Mike Boone. Rock Thomas is my guy for number seven. Kendall Wright, because I think it's possible if he doesn't play really well that he gets let go. A $1 million deal for a guy who had 59 catches last year was so bizarre. 
that I wonder, plus he wasn't practicing with the first team in minicamp. He didn't look good in the spring. Leave it at that. Like, what? what is going on there? Uh, kicking competition in camp is just a dream. You got to love I'm it. I'm so excited. Competition. Daniel Carlson's number five for me. Uh, Tashawn Bauer was... Who was Mr. Mankato last year? Was it Tashawn Bauer? Was it Stacey Coley or Tashawn Bauer? Stacey Coley, Stacey I believe. Because okay. I, I picked Coley, and I think I got the win. Unless I didn't, maybe it was Bauer. I don't know. Okay. Well, Tashawn Bauer was in that conversation right to the end. Oh, absolutely he was. And uh, he's my number four because I think he has the potential to be part of a rotation for the defensive line. Number three, Rashad Hill, because he's going in as the starting right tackle. Holton Hill, you brought up uh, as being a guy that's, I have a saying, always draft the weed guy or always sign the undrafted free agent weed guy. If somebody drops because of weed, we can work with that, <laughs> right? It's not like they got they dropped in the draft because they, uh, you know, didn't like to play football or something or whatever it else might be off the field. This is just this is just the marijuana problem. A lot of guys have had it. This guy going in the Hall of Fame August fourth, who had that problem coming out, and he did just fine. Point of order. Tayshawn Bauer was 27 man, twenty seventeen, Mister Mankato. Yes, okay, you nailed that and one. Stacy Coley, I think, had a big week one. I was very excited, but then he sort of right. just kind of when they played Buffalo. I think yes, Coley was good, made a big catch That's before yes. I started, but I remember yes. that game. And Tayshawn Bauer had a big fourth game, maybe or third game. Jaleel Johnson had the big fourth game against Miami. Okay. Yes, it must the, have been Bauer. Must have been the third game. Because that's the one where we all watch closely. And that and that was the one where, um, was it Keenum or was it Heineke who um, the legend was born? That's when he had the, the walk-off touchdown. Remember that? Oh, that was Against Mitch, the 49ers. Right? Yes. Was, was, that, was that Mitch? Was it Mitch? I think it was Heineke. Was it Heineke? It was, uh, it was definitely not Keenum because then... I have no idea. I think that would have so been brought long. up. Maybe I actually, it was yeah, why am I talking about preseason games from I before no I even idea. started working here? Like, this is nuts. We I remember because we put it up to a vote. We had four finalists and we let the people made the decision. I just found the actual uh, the Twitter poll. Tayshawn Bauer was 39%. Jaleel Johnson was 28%. Oh, okay. Ben Gedeon, 20%. Oh, right. And then Stacey Coley was a 13 Okay, well, congratulations to my number four most interesting player. Because he won Mr. Mankato, he's got a shot uh, at making his way actually into the rotation. Number one is easy. It's Kirk Cousins. We're going to be watching closely. What an easy pick. For that to be your number one, be creative. Everything he does is going to be of interest. No, I agree with you. That's why I'm at number two. Every press conference, every day watching how he adapts. Even in minicamp, he had a really bad day in the red zone in minicamp, and we all talked about it for a month. I think we're still talking about those picks. I am. I'm still overreacting. I I don't even remember what happened. He was one of six in the red zone that day. How do you not remember that? In that second period. I know. How... How don't I remember him? Going Anthony Barr had one of the interceptions, and J. Ron Hurst had the other one. <laughs> your right. favorite player. That's right, my favorite player. He's a great punt gunner. Um, okay, so though I will run down my list real quick, and then we are going to move up questions of significant importance because we're going to talk to Scott Bear at twelve thirty about uh, Tony Sperano. So for my list, Mike Hughes ten nine Brian O'Neill eight Delvin Cook seven Rock Thomas. Six, Kendall Wright. Five, Daniel Carlson. Four, Tashawn Bauer. Three, Rashad Hill. Two, Holton Hill. And number one, Kirk Cousins. All right, so uh, what do you got for questions, Dave? Shockingly, I have a couple Vikings-related, as well as one I need you guys to start brainstorming now. The best sports-related toys you had as a child. Oh, I already know mine. 
Actually, I know the one I didn't get because my dad was a jerk. Oh. <laughs> he was a hater is what Family he was. Family drama. <laughs> Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Just a reminder, this station does not endorse this. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. You go low, I'll go high. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackie and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. Real quick. Just real quick. When it comes to death. Oh, God. I'm going there. The first first inanimate object I want to hear from is a mascot. That's who I really look to for thoughts and prayers. We can't really hear from someone's them. tragedy. Oh, you can via social media. That's the best part. It gives mascots who don't have a voice a voice. And so Victor Viking has uh, given his shout out thinking of Coach uh, Sperano and his family today. You know, Victor, I know you're a mascot. Maybe just don't. Maybe just don't. Just like macaroni and cheese doesn't have to shout out all the uh, dead soldiers on July 4th or whatever. You know what I mean? Like brands who, like, mm-hmm. oh, thinking of uh, all the wounded soldiers today. Like, are you really macaroni and cheese? Are you really thinking of that? I don't understand Or are the you analogy. just a stupid brand? It's a very like, strange analogy. It's, it's something that they do on Twitter where all these brands, it'll be like Target and, you know, Kraft macaroni and cheese and Wendy's or whatever. You know, and all of them go to, sorry to those three, I just picked you out of the air. But, like, they all go to social media. Every brand you've ever heard of, anything, underwear, and they will tweet out, like, thanks to our soldiers, remembering you all, and then, like, a picture of a soldier or something. And you're like, you know what? Maybe just you don't mean any of this, so but, please stop. I mean, And the same thing with... It's, an, it's a, a nice a, picture. Let's, to be fair, it's a nice picture. They put a... Um, on the TCO Stadium scoreboard, there's... The graphic that the Vikings made yesterday, it says, you know, in memory of Tony Sperano. That's nice. It's a mascot. It's a mascot tweeting it out. In, in defense of the brand, son, you know, sending out the Memorial Day tweets or whatever, it's a well-known fact. If you don't send that tweet out, you're against the troops, right? <laughs> right. And that reminds me of something that, uh, I'm sorry, I'm hijacking questions. Yeah, here. that's fine. Um, Howard Bryant wrote, he used to write for ESPN, maybe he still does, um, about like these teams are more afraid of being thought of as unpatriotic when it comes to the kneeling and everything mm-hmm. else than they are actually caring about the patriotism. I mean, caring about the soldiers or caring about America or whatever that he, that's what he was told by an NFL front office person was like, it's really more that we're afraid of not being seen as patriotic. It's look, nothing against them tweeting out whatever, but mascots tweeting out like RIP is just silly. Come on. Okay, that's it. I'm going to turn my mic off. Yeah. That's that's so stupid. Let's change it up a little bit. But we are going to stick with Vikings, but just move away from the mascot. Unless maybe the mascot is your answer for this question. I don't know. But question number one, since, Courtney, you've covered the team now for basically a full year. Collar for two. Give me something that before you decided to make the move and cover the Minnesota Vikings that's true about the Vikings or a specific person with the Vikings or the organization, something that's true that you did not expect to be true about the Minnesota Vikings. Hmm. I mean, I, I I guess it's fair to say, like, you know, I had I'd grown up in Chicago. I grew up a Bears fan, which that died very quickly into my childhood because they were terrible. Um I mean, there really just wasn't. I mean, the whole conversation about the Vikings were just they were a team in the NFC North. 
and they weren't the Packers. They weren't the Packers. And I, I don't know. I mean, I guess my thing kind of stems around that. <laughs> wow, this is more than a two division. This is more, you know, I had been covering the AFC West for two years. So kind of moving into this, you really realize, you know, for some of those original NFL teams, some of the storied rivalries and just how much that actually still matters in the grand scheme of things, which is probably a terrible answer. If Matt goes, I'll maybe think of something. What do you, what do you, do you think or not think that was true and is true? About the Vikings when I didn't live here? Yeah. That's the question. Uh, you know what I didn't what I didn't know about the Vikings is just how often they were in the center of NFL drama. Oh my like gosh. I, I didn't really realize it. I mean, like you're watching the league at large and storylines kind of come and go. And until you're actually focused on the team, you don't have a full understanding of how many weeks out of the year something insane is happening with the Minnesota Vikings that is taking center stage on the NFL networks, the ESPNs, all those sorts of things. I'll second that. I think that the traffic that we get um, from a national perspective with ESPN, I didn't realize Vikings were in the top 10, you know, before I got here. And even, you know, last year with the quarterback situation with Teddy and with everything else that transpired made them even more newsworthy. But it's year in and year out with this team. If it's not the love boat, it's the Wizenator. And then, you know, from the, from the years beyond that, it's a million other things that have just created calamity. And, you know, they've always kind of been in the picture of the playoffs where, you know, they're always, you know, here, even though they're early playoff exits, you know, historically in the last few years, um, they were still in the picture. And they were still kind of in the picture for the division, despite the Packers. But um, I agree with that. I think that they've definitely found their way into the conversation one way or the other. Also, I had no idea what skull meant. Never heard of it before I got there. I don't know what it means now. I think it just means go. Like It's the Norwegian Finnish way of saying go? Yeah. Okay. Because uh, the guy who wrote it was Swedish or something, right? Something like that. Something like that. Whatever. But, it, but I sat down in my first game, and they started playing it, and I was like, what, the chewing tobacco? <laughs> what? Everybody's got a can in their back pocket. Wow, this place is really different. Think of the start of that sentence, Courtney, you just had recapping Vikings history. If it's not the love boat, it's the Wizenator. I know. That's where we... Uh, that was like mid two. Uh, I mean, that was mid-2000s, late, you know, late 2000s. Uh, that was my notion of the Vikings when I was in college <laughs> and when I was so far removed from it. Proud franchise. You guys ever uh, looked up the love boat on... Um, Wikipedia? I have. I didn't need to. I lived it. <laughs> so, okay, I wasn't on the, the boat, but the, the, you know the, what I mean. The Wikipedia is hysterical. Like, I was going through these things last night, just kind of getting ready for this of all the weird stuff that happens with this team and the unexpected things with Tony Sperano passing away yesterday. And my wife was not super familiar with the boat. And so I was like, <laughs> let me spin you a yarn, hun. I was like, all right, just just pull it up on Wiki. Let's see what it says. <laughs> the level of detail. <laughs> I can't say any of it on the radio, no. but please look it up. I mean, not near children, but oh my gosh. It is the funniest thing ever. Did you see the video that Barstool did around the Super Bowl? I did not. It's excellent. No. Michael, yeah, Michael ran from the Star Tribune. Yeah, they got Smoot and he like narrated the whole thing. Giggling through the whole entire deal, yeah. That's really funny. Uh, question number two, uh, since camp is coming up and you guys will be out there every bleeping day in the sun, baking away, covering all these hot storylines, what is the one storyline from camp you are either excited or dreading having to write about? 
either specific or just the generic, oh, gosh, I don't know. I mean, the Kirk stuff every single day is going to get tiresome after Mm -hmm. a while. He's going to be like, he sneezed today. (laughs) Was he super excited and yelling booyah after he sneezed or was he looking melancholy? Did someone say bless you? Yes. And it's like, oh, wait, no, they didn't hate him. Bad teammate. Like there's that storyline, though, is going to be year long. It's not just training camp because training camp is just a vac. It's that's a part of the season in the vacuum to know whether he how how it's going to even look. And then it's going to be, OK, when does he throw his first red zone interception? When does this you know stuff happen where it looks like the wheels are going to come off? If it gets to there, it's going to be never ending. You know what I think it is for me on a daily basis? What's going to sort of just like be hovering over me, is, okay, we've already had something totally unexpected and shocking happen even before camp. What else are we in for? Yeah. Because in 2016, if you had told me that the head coach had to miss a game for eye surgery and then had a bubble in his eye with someone guarding him during a game, I would have said, oh my gosh, that season must have been crazy. It was like the fourth craziest thing that happened. Someone, we were expecting to have a cool, calm week 17, and then someone's hanging off of a banner. Like, <laughs> what? So when this has already started, what is what I'm just not looking forward to is, okay, what's next? <laughs> Stuff that I never would have dreamed. I never would have dreamed that a person would somehow sneak a gargantuan banner into the stadium and hang from it. So you just haven't lived then. I, if you're I not yeah, I know. I guess my imagination just maybe isn't that good, but it. I guess I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, it's already starting. What What is next? Well, oh, go ahead, Courtney. Well, I mean, I, I'm just saying I, I'm jacked for the nickel corner competition because in my mind there will always be one. Forever and ever. Forever and ever. Whether Mackenzie wins it or not, <laughs> it's always going to be there because I just love the nickel corner. All right. Final question. Um, I saw the Timberwolves retweet a little something, a picture of, star, you remember starting lineup action figures? Yes. Yeah, yep, these yep. guys right here, the picture of a car, um, Kevin Garnett one. I had a couple. Okay. Yeah, I, I had a few. I had a bunch of these as a little kid, and then I became a giant Mike Piazza fan when I was about 10, 12, 13 years old. Good pitch framer. Yes, absolutely. And uh, my my dad got me about four or five of these things and said, you know, you could play with them, but I bet. Years from now, they might be really worth something if you leave them in the package. I know. So I didn't open them. Yep. And I didn't open them. And I didn't open them. And now they there just, was nothing. They just sat on the shelf. And I didn't open them. And I didn't open them. And then finally, he retired. And then he went into the Hall of Fame. And the vote came out. And he was announced that he was going to be in the next Hall of Fame class. And I said, I've still got these things. Nothing. I've got and I've got a bunch of baseball cards that I haven't touched and they're in mint condition. Oh, I can sell this. I'll be rich on eBay. And they can get you can get about four bucks for them. Yep. It's yep. worth four dollars richer. Nothing. Yeah. That, about that. That was definitely me. Yeah, that was 100%. totally me. A giant disappointment. I could have had so much fun playing with my action figures and my baseball cards. And, because everyone's yeah. parents told them the same thing. And then they became so accessible. Well, you could get them anywhere. They were still a great toy, even if I didn't get to play with them. So I would like to know from you whether you had the toy, or it seems in Courtney's case, didn't have the toy, the best sports-related toy uh, of your childhood. Well, 
it's not really a sport. I guess it is a sports-related toy because it was a game. My dad wouldn't let us have Nerf guns. What? Yeah. Mm. He's like, he's like, you can take that nonsense back down to the south side. You're not going to have that here (laughs) in the civilized area of the North Shore. (laughs) So he's like, my dad's from the south side. So, I mean, it makes sense because all my cousins were giving us Nerf guns. And like, you know, if your parent, if you were fighting with your siblings, the toy automatically went in the trunk of the car and went with my dad to the office. So the Nerf gun, I didn't even get to touch it before it went to the office because apparently, I don't know, you can poke your eye out or something like that. I was never able to play with Nerf guns. Do you think he took them out at the office and they just had a grand old time? <laughs> you know, if they did, I you know, I wish them well because that is a part of my childhood I'll never get back. And I wasn't allowed to have starter jacket either because kids were getting killed for them in Chicago. And, you know... I, I live in the suburbs. I don't know what my dad was thinking, but like, you know, I couldn't have Jordans and I couldn't have a uh, starter jacket. So your dad when I thought turned, you were going to get killed for a starter my, jacket? You know, my dad worked in the city. My dad's a physician. He worked in the city and dealt with this a lot. So I guess that that was kind of, you know, seeing children. So I guess maybe now I'm just being a jerk. But um, for my 22nd birthday, before I started covering the NFL, before I started covering anything, I always wanted the teal Miami Dolphins starter jacket. So I bought one off eBay. <laughs> I still have it. I've worn it like four times. Yeah. Next time that, you come would, in here, you're wearing that. Oh, thing. I'm. I should wear it to training camp tomorrow. Yes, you should. Two days. That kind of went in an unexpected direction. I gotta say, <laughs> I kind of really didn't see the Miami Dolphins starter jacket as being like such a childhood trauma. I uh, wasn't allowed to have one, and that's when all the cool kids were wearing it when Jordan was around. Like those Chicago Bulls one with like the bowl on the back. That thing was that was fire. I had a Vikings one that I only wore on Sundays. I'd wear it to church. <laughs> And then, of course, you'd have to pull it off over your head, and some of my hair would be all over oh, the place. Oh, yeah. Was that the one with the uh, pocket in the middle? Yep. Yeah, you had the pouch pocket. The yes, pouch. we had the pouch yep. pocket for sure. Mm-hmm. When I go back and watch old games on YouTube, one of the best things is what the coach is wearing. Oh, like, yeah. What the jacket is. It'd be like indoors, and he's still wearing that exact starter jacket. And the players on the sideline have the hats with like the shark fins. Mm-hmm. Remember those? It's like, yeah, that was a the logo way off on the side somewhere. Yes, wrapping yes. around. Uh, for me, this might be the hottest take I've ever had. The Super Tecmo Bowl Final Edition for Super Nintendo was better than Tecmo Bowl, the original. It's a better, it's a more fun game because no single player like Bo Jackson just runs over everybody. It's got a lot more interest, intricacies to it, and I played the hell out of that game. Clarification. Better than Tecmo Bowl or better than Tecmo Super Bowl, which was the sequel still for the original Nintendo? Okay, better than all of them. That's, the, the best that's version. False. The best version is the final version. It's like Super Tecmo Bowl 4. I, I haven't think. played that version, but um, we, could fight. we could no, fight right now. It's the best. It's so good. It's got all the same things as the original for regular Nintendo, but it's just enhanced. It's updated. Yeah, got, we, and a great fight. a great season. I think it's like when the Browns were still in the league, but also the Jaguars and the Panthers were coming into the league. It was the perfect season. Okay, that's something. But yeah, those are still fighting words. We're going to throw hands after the show. Okay, that's fine. Let's go to break. Yeah, we can go. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. On 1500 ESPN. Registration is underway for the 37th edition of the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon, running from downtown Minneapolis to the state capitol grounds in St. Paul. 
It's happening Sunday, October 7th. Accomplish a bold feat while savoring the scenic beauty as two cities cheer you on. Run the most revered event in Minnesota running, the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon. Details at 1500ASPN.com. Keyword events. I'm trying to think who on the Minnesota Vikings is like Matt Dumba. And I'll tell you why. Matthew Collar, Courtney Cronin in for Mackie and Judd today. When you dig into the numbers with Matt Dumba, he was one of the 20 best defensemen in the NHL last year. And what was different from last year is he played more minutes and he played against top competition. I looked up who he played against and the most minutes that he played against them. And the names that come up are Patrick Kane, Tyler Sagan. He was matching up against top lines and he was on the ice for his team's goals, for the sixth most goals for of any player in the NHL, and not had no problem with the goals against area, which is where he gets criticized all the time, the defensive mistakes and things like that. And so when you look up the numbers of scoring chances when he's on the ice, goals when he's on the ice, the defensive mistakes that he makes are way overstated when we have a conversation about him. That he, yes, he turns it over, but I looked that up too, and more than 100 players had more giveaways than Matt Dumba last year. And yet, that's what he's talked about constantly for. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's just making all these mistakes. And then I dug even deeper and found a study on guys who are good at defending the blue line when forwards are coming in and they stop them from having an easy entry. And he's one of the best at that, which is a defensive skill. So I recognize he does have some shortcomings. But when you add up his impact, especially at even strength offensively, with the fact that his defensive shortcomings are well overstated, to get him on a five-year deal for $6 million a year is an A-plus signing for the Minnesota Wild. Not everything that they've done has been great over the Chuck Fletcher years, and now they have a new general manager. But this is a great signing. So I'm trying to think. Who in town is like this? Is it Maurer, where no matter what kind of facts, because I got in arguments with people on, on Twitter over this, no matter what kind of numbers you show them, no matter what kind of facts you guide them to and present them with links, here's a link where I will show you this guy's offensive impact is massive and the defensive shortcomings are not hurting them that much. It just doesn't matter. You just like, well, no, I, you know, I just think you're wrong. Like, I'm not, the, it's right there. Who's like that? Is it Maurer? Maurer's a very good one. The other name that came to mind was Ricky Rubio. Mm. The the whole he can't shoot thing, but when he was on the floor, obviously you got great distribution, you got great defense, and a team that was, frankly, winning when he was on the floor versus not on the floor, and he was always a plus player. But, well, he can't shoot. And, yeah, that's a giant part of the game, probably even bigger than Dumba's shortcomings, but the team was still better when he was out there, right? Even if you don't think so when you were watching the game because all you could focus on was, oh, he clanked one another one from 15 feet. But I can still hmm. I can still buy, though, the criticism on Rubio. That like oh, sure. When, a, when opponents can leave a player. Yes. It kind of helps them. Maurer, yeah, Ma- Maurer yeah, might be the I best. Think I can't think, I think of a might, Viking. It might be Maurer because when you compare his best years as a catcher to the best catchers of all time, he's right up there. Mm-hmm. For their slash lines, their OPS, whatever, and he was good defensively. Yes. And yet you'll still get, like, <clears throat> overpaid, sucks. Yeah, doesn't, like, hit, doesn't hit bombs. Well, he hits a hell of a lot of doubles. You know what doubles aren't? Home runs. Yeah. Right. Is it digs, Courtney? Like, where, with the, huh, he doesn't even have 100 catches. 
I'm like, okay, probably well, that. They have two receivers. Yeah, I mean, well, probably it's probably that. Not a thousand. It hasn't had a one thousand yard season yet. Injuries. Yeah, and he's played fourteen games. Yeah, like yeah, injuries, but for two games. Well, I think people look back to 2016 and still want to pull on that. But no, I mean, there's there's definitely that group out there where they're like undervalu- undervaluing. You can't necessarily go find somebody like him in free agency. That's the first thing you need to think about. I know what it was. Teddy's touchdowns. It was the Teddy's touchdowns thing. Sure. No matter yeah. what you looked into, no matter how much tape you showed them of accurate throws, no matter how many times you showed them like, look, they ran in the red zone, so that's why he didn't score touchdowns, and they had a really good scoring percentage per drive, and his third downs were really good, and all of his clutch stats were fantastic, and that's why they won so much. It's like, I don't know, man, 14 touchdowns. You're like, God, what? Like, the same thing with, with Dumba. Like, this is a guy who started out, as most do at 18, 19 years old, Bad defensively. No kidding. Of course he did. Because every NHL defenseman at 19 stinks at defense compared to Drew Doughty. But over the years, he's gotten a lot better. And those mistakes have been cut down significantly. And now he's a legitimate top pair guy by any sort of measure. And I think you're kind of, if you're looking at him and still saying, oh, he's a train wreck defensively. Well, he's not great defensively. He's not the dominant or anything defensively. But if you're saying that that makes him not worth this contract, I think you're th- you're going with your first impression and not ever changing it. So, good job, Minnesota Wild. You kept a good player and didn't trade him away. Um, we're going to come back and talk to Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus about the NFC North and expectations for Kirk Cousins. Matthew Collar, Courtney Cronin in for Mackie and Judd. Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500 ESPN. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton, motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.